1861, Orion Clemens became secretary to the Nevada territorial governor, James Nye. Clemens would travel from Missouri to Nevada on a route that would take him through Pioneer, Utah. He traveled with his younger brother, Sam. The 25-year-old Sam Clemens would later become famous writing under the pen name Mark Twain. On this week's episode, we'll discuss what Mark Twain wrote about Salt Lake City, sometimes astute, sometimes irreverent, and occasionally hilarious. I'm Nate Olson, and this is Adventures in Mormon History. The two Clemens brothers traveled by stagecoach across the Great Plains and the Rocky Mountains and arrived at the Mormon community of Salt Lake City, then 14 years old. Like other writers and diarists, Mark Twain was fascinated by the strange Mormon people and the strange city they had built. The first thing he noticed, though, was how clean and orderly the city was. Here is what he wrote. We walked about the streets and glanced in at the shops and stores, and there was a fascination in surreptitiously staring at every creature we took to be a Mormon. This was a fairyland to us, to all intents and purposes, a land of enchantment and goblins and awful mystery. Pleasant strangeness of a city of 15,000 with no loafers perceptible in it, and no visible drunkards or noisy people. A limpid stream rippling and dancing through every street in place of a filthy gutter. Block after block of trim dwellings, a great thriving orchard and garden behind every one of them. Everywhere were workshops, factories, and all manner of industries, and intent faces and busy hands were to be seen wherever one looked. The city was healthy, extremely healthy. The Mormons declared there was only one physician in the place, and he was arrested every week regularly and held to answer under the Vagrant Act for having no visible means of support. He was also impressed with the crest of the territory of Utah, which was a golden beehive with the bees all at work. He liked it better than the crest of his own home state, Missouri which he described as two drunken and dissolute grizzly bears holding up the head of a dead and gone cask of whiskey between them, making the pertinent remark, United we stand, divided we fall. Mark Twain's memoirs include a sarcastic commentary on the Book of Mormon, which he read but did not like. He recognized that there was nothing vicious in its chapters and its code of morals was unobjectionable. His chief complaint was that, well, he thought it was boring. It could put a person to sleep as easily as chloroform. He also complained that the Book of Ether stopped just as it was in danger of becoming interesting. But having arrived in Salt Lake City, Mark Twain reported another influence that was working on him a desire to rebuke the Mormon people for their wanton and lascivious practice of polygamy. Polygamy was a source of both fascination and horror to non-Mormons traveling through the Utah Territory. And Mark Twain described feeling a great desire to preach against the people and get them to reform. Here's what he wrote. With the gushing self-sufficiency of youth, 
I was feverish to plunge in headlong and achieve a great reform here. Until I saw the Mormon women, I was touched. My heart was wiser than my head. It warmed to these poor, ungainly, and pathetically homely creatures, and as I turned to hide the generous moisture of my eyes, I said, No, the man that marries one of them has done an act of Christian charity, which entitles him to the kindly applause of mankind, not their harsh censure, and the man that marries sixty of them has done a deed of open-handed generosity so sublime that the nation should stand uncovered in his presence." and worship in silence. Now, I don't know where Mark Twain gets off calling the Mormon women uh, pathetically homely, and it's not clear how many ladies of the 19th century would have considered Sam Clemens a catch himself. But he would be repaid in kind for this discourteous observation when he met with the Mormon prophet and governor of the territory, Brigham Young. One of Orion's acquaintances in the city was a railroad executive, They put on white shirts and paid a visit to Brigham Young. Here's how Mark Twain described the meeting. He seemed a quiet, kindly, easy-mannered, dignified, self-possessed old gentleman of 55 or 60, and he had a gentle craft in his eyes that probably belonged there. He was very simply dressed and was just taking off a straw hat as we entered. He talked about Utah and the Indians and Nevada and general American matters and questions with our secretary and certain government officials who came with us. But he never paid any attention to me. Notwithstanding, I made several attempts to draw him out on federal politics and his high-handed attitude toward Congress. I thought some of the things I said were rather fine. But he merely looked around at me, at distant intervals, sometimes as I have seen a benign old cat look around to see which kitten was meddling with her tail. By and by, I subsided into an indignant silence, and so sat until the end, hot and flushed, and execrating him in my heart for an ignorant savage. But he was calm. His conversation with those gentlemen flowed on as sweetly and peacefully and musically as any summer brook. When the audience was ended and we were retiring from the presence, he put his hand on my head, beamed down on me in an admiring way, and said to my brother, Ah, your child, I presume? Boy or girl? Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Adventures in Mormon History. I'm your host, Nate Olson.